0: He whirled in time to see the king still in the air, both feet off the ground, the sky suddenly blue, the morning mist gone, the sunshine glowing in the sky and on the stones and on the king, and everything frozen for a moment like the carved frieze and a temple, as the flat side of the king's extended sword smashed against Talaeus' undefended neck.
1: When will I get mood lighting for all my dramatics? I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief Reread podcast to get you through the wait for Return of the Thief. It's March 22nd, 2020. Today's episode, we're talking about chapter 13 of King of Atolia, which is the, the drive towards the end of the book. And this is the one where Jen beats everybody at sparring, but in a very profound and important way. He fights five separate people here.
0: Before he's even had breakfast, might I add. <gasps> a continuation of the Jen is too good at things argument. He's too good at stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure. He starts to limp and yeah. favor one's
1: side mm. and look tired and how much of that is
0: faked. We'll it never progressively know. gets to, it progressively takes more of a toll on him. Yeah. I think it's real though. Mm Because by by the end of all five fights, the narration says, like, oh, he was breathing deep with exhaustion and he was still limping when he walked over to the queen and whatever. Yeah. But there's never any doubt that he's going to win. Well, Cassius and Talaeus have plenty of doubts. Cassius and Talaeus have
1: plenty of doubts, but Ornon and Atolia do not. And I think, as an extension, the reader does not.
0: Yeah. And I love Ornon's comment on Jen here, um... Lentileus and Costas are like, okay, he's gonna die. Come on, we gotta do something. I got the crossbows out. Uh, Ornon says, he whines, he complains, he ducks out of the most obvious responsibility. He is vain, petty, and maddening, but he doesn't ever quit. Ever. I've seen him suffer setbacks. Ornon looked at the queen and away. I have never seen him, in the end, lose. He just persists until he comes out ahead. No match is finished for him until he has won. He literally
1: does not lose. The man cannot lose. And that's so different from like the conventional wisdom about storytelling. Mm-hmm. You would think that in order for there to be stakes, the outcome of this scene would have to be uncertain. Mm-hmm. But I mean there's so many parallels between this and a kind of more classical mode of storytelling where it's retelling myths or there's a prologue that straight up tells you what's going to happen in the end before it starts Mm -hmm. and the pleasure of watching it is just seeing the confirmation of what you knew was coming yeah
0: it's not in the not knowing it's not in the suspense suspense isn't really a factor yeah i remember when um when this book came out, I was so mad in the first read of it because I, like, you know, I wanted Jen on every page. I wanted Jen back as the point of view <laughs> character. And then, like, every book after that, my first read, I've been very angry <laughs> because I just want more Jen. But what this quote with Ornon brings back to me is this is what I do love seeing Jen from other people's eyes is you get really condensed snapshots of him mm-hmm. and what he's like and his what drives him like this is just such a good sum up paragraph he's a force of nature
1: (laughs) much like atolia has been described as a force of nature since the very beginning and he's joined her like in that space yeah there's a quote from uh the god of small things which is the secret of the great stories is that they have no secrets the great stories are the ones you have heard and want to hear again the ones you can enter anywhere and inhabit comfortably They don't deceive you with thrills and trick endings. They don't surprise you with the unforeseen. They are as familiar as the house you live in, or the smell of your lover's skin. You know how they end, yet you listen as though you don't. In the way that although you know that one day you will die, you live as though you won't. In the great stories, you know who lives, who dies, who finds love, who doesn't, and yet you want to know again. That is their mystery and their magic." And of course, these books do have some twists and and trick endings, literal tricks that she plays on you. But also, um, Megan Whalen Turner says you can read these books in any order. Like, Mm -hmm. the intent is that you can read The Thief knowing exactly how it ends and enjoy it maybe all the more.
0: And I think that's also, like, this idea is also related to how you know, I feel like these books just get better with rereads. You know, yep. some books you read it once and that's it. You never have to go back and it's like worse because it's not a surprise. But since the surprise isn't, there's always something new to find on a reread here. Something new to think about or wonder. <laughs> and a different perspective. Yeah.
1: So Jen is in his endgame here in terms of the having of the guard. He challenges to lay us to a sparring match and says, if I win, I'll have the guard. If you win, I won't which ensures that Talaeus is not going to let him win and that everyone will know that Talaeus is not letting him win. And then he offers that same deal to man after man after man until finally he gets, um, uh,
0: Laikdomen? Laikdomen?
1: La- y- 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 y-
0: <laughs> and this guy is Aaron Erendides' man. Yeah, so
1: Erendides, yeah. even though he's collared, he's still got tendrils yeah it's funny to have this climactic fight be with a dude we've never seen before
0: <laughs> we don't know yeah. this guy that's true it makes erin seem even more pernicious as a villain just like calling up anyone you know yeah and also this is more proof that um well i guess this is proof that erin is working with sunis and with the Medes, potentially because Aris says to Talaeus in this chapter, like I feel like I'm about to describe a, a like some terrible game of telephone that <laughs> we can't keep straight. But so, Aris says to Talaeus in this chapter, like, oh, I didn't tell you, but Leucodamon was the one who, when we were guarding the king during the assassination attempt, he said, oh, let's go help pen the dogs, and then he wasn't with us in the cell afterward he was somewhere else and just said he had been kept in a separate cell.
1: It's very clue-like. Who yes. wasn't here?
0: <laughs> and then, so Jen also said like, okay, Siegenus was on the balcony above him during the assassination attempt, pointing at him, like, telling the assassins where to go through the maze. Mm-hmm. So, that shows us Erendides was behind the assassins with Sunis and Nehuserish and Leic and Arendides man, so I guess I just never got the connection between, like, well, of course, Aaron Didis is working with <laughs> Eugenides' other enemies. Like, that makes perfect sense. But that never clicked for me until now. And
1: this is a whole almost mystery plot that's going on in our peripheral vision. Yeah.
0: Like, it's not that important. The assassination attempt itself is, is just one more detail in the story. It's not even really, you know, it happens, but it's not. It's backdrop
1: for the emotional (laughs) development that Jen is having
0: yeah, and
1: his quest to cut the funding for this department (laughs) (laughs) at the palace. And maybe this will all be terribly important in Return of the Thief, but in terms of this self-contained novel, there could be a whole other version of this story where that's central, but that's Mm -hmm. not what we have.
0: We really see Kostas' optimism with Laekdom, and maybe he isn't here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the gods would never allow it.
1: Too easy. And as Jen is revealed, of course, the clouds
0: literally part. <laughs> and the sun shines down uh, upon him. I love in this scene that as soon as Talaeus goes down, you see immediately that he has switched sides in this chapter, in this scene. It's interesting that he describes, like, Domin as a zealot because
1: it's Mm. really about, like, it's about economics. His family's land is in the Arandides' domain, which is a word that we looked up, which is land attached to a manor.
0: (laughs) I thought it was just pronounced demesne, but whatever. (laughs) It's, uh, it's from the same root as the word domain. Why even have two words is my deal. Why not just say it so me? <laughs> <laughs> His loyalty is uh, is self-serving. It's
1: not ideological. Although he does taunt Eugenides for being foreign. So we can say that that's a factor.
0: Yeah, he sneers and he seems you know, contemptuous or whatever. In which... Atolia,
1: we respect practice swords.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Something else we
1: see in this chapter uh, is that it feels like Jen really knows all the guards. Yeah. And they don't know that. He knows their names. He knows their names. He whispers something to one of the guys while he's sparring with him and it says no one could hear what he said, but its effect was galvanic. So it's like he said something personal to yeah. this dude.
0: Something that would make Damon really go on the super attack. And by the end of by the end of this series of fights when Jen is fighting Leeak Domin, uh, the Queen arrives, and she places she directs servants to place a da- a dais and a chair. and I just thought that was kind of funny <laughs> that she uses a dais even in you know, situations where a chair would have done, but no, because she's the Queen and she has to be important.
1: It's like people rolling out a <laughs> carpet in front of her wherever she goes
0: <laughs> and it also says most of the court had arrived, which is just. No, most of the court seemed to have gathered, it says. Don't you have anything better to do? Yes, but also, how big is the court is what I want to know. Yeah. I mean, how big is the training yard, which I guess... Well, okay. Yeah, I guess it could be pretty big for a group of, you know, a thousand guards to train in. Like, a few hundred at a time, whatever. I don't know. But, like, is the court 100 people? 200? 500? could it really be a court if most of the court had gathered most of the 500 people had gathered i have no I know, idea man i keep trying to look up every now and then i google like okay how big was elizabeth the first court i can't find an answer like versailles was at the height two thousand people including the servants mm-hmm. so that's one answer
1: and this like this feels earlier in time to me although it's with- it's, we can't really put a particular time on this because it's not the real world.
0: They're not on the cusp of... <laughs> and these are, these are small places. Mm-hmm.
1: Jen reminds Talaeus that, uh, like all men, he has two grandfathers. And one of them was Edith. <gasps> Everyone conveniently forgot that. <laughs> they, he takes advantage of the fact that people just edit out what doesn't fit their narrative. Yeah.
0: He plans for it. Mm-hmm.
1: Atolia shows up and Talaeus says to her, let me arrest him before this goes south. And she says, arrest the king. Uh, and arrest Doman." Talaeus almost snapped, not appreciating the queen's humor. <laughs> because we're in on it now. We're in on her rhinus. What is it about this that makes Eugenides king of Atolia? Is it the display of skill,
0: of... All these and respect is breeding each other up. I don't know. (laughs) This feels very, like, I don't know, toxic masculinity. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I I want to find an interpretation of it that's more
1: more complicated than that. Is it his tenacity? I mean, would it have worked if he hadn't gone through all of these dudes? Wink,
0: wink. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, imagine you're just one of the random court people watching from the sidelines, what reason do you have to change your opinion of him knowing that he knows how to use a sword? And, I mean, I guess, you know, with the fight between him and Lake and...
1: And he proves how far know. he's willing to go mm-hmm. when he catches the sword, although that isn't really clarified until the next chapter. Maybe it's his confidence and his willingness to take risks because mm-hmm. he knows that he'll succeed like he challenges Teleus and he could have stopped there and said okay i'm gonna have the guard now but he challenges the next guy and yeah. the next guy and the next guy yeah that comfortable assurance that he is
0: in control mm-hmm. and it's also i think laic has something to do with it how um he steps out and he's everyone can tell like He's up to something nefarious, and this isn't just a regular sparring match, and all the guard goes quiet and they're not gonna cheer for uh Doman because they know something's up um so maybe just this this positioning of this fight between the two of them as Doman is like out for murder or something it raises the stakes and that might put people on the king's side because. Maybe that would seem unjust or something. Not unjust, but, like, the man just fought five others, and now he's, Lake Domin would be kind of trying to kill him while he's down. And he
1: still takes on that fight. Yeah. Even though Talaeus is clearly trying Mm -hmm. to stop it. And they have that little exchange, the little Disney villain exchange ahead of time. Where, like, is like, I hope you won't
0: forget me a second (laughs) time. And just thinking further, people might see Jen as, like, like, the, the morally rightful victor in this fight, because, like, okay, he loses, quote, unquote, the fight, and his sword is gone, and he says, okay, strike your best, and that's brave of him, but also, like, no if this was a real normal fight, would just say, like, okay, sparring is over, I won, but he just goes for the kill blow for someone who's not armed, so, mm-hmm. like, people watching were like, wow, that's a, that's a murder attempt, <laughs> I don't know. That's a bad behavior. We draw the
1: line at dishonorable... Yeah.
0: I think the guard has much more reason to like Jen after this than the average courtier would. Mm-hmm.
1: I think, like, Domen thinks that he's much more important than he is. <laughs> he's like, I've been the villain of this book the whole time! <laughs> no, you're only gonna be in this scene. I picture him being very large.
0: And at the end of the scene... He goes over to the queen and kneels and puts his sword in her lap and everyone he goes quiet. in front of her
1: and every time I lose my <laughs>
0: goddamn
1: mind.
0: And then he wrecks the dramatic moment with, oh, I want my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me think of, I don't know if you've read this uh, David Sedaris book, but in one of his essays he talks about he was... Uh, like a documentary filmmaker was filming him like in his backyard looking over the rolling hills at sunset and the filmmaker says like oh he brings up his sister who died tragically and says like if you could ask one more question to your sister what would it be in this like very like romantic light like very touching emotional give the audience a good moment and David didn't want to play into that and so he says can you give me back the money I loaned you
1: <laughs> it also recalls the god Eugenides saying go to bed like, no glory will be a reward for me. They're similar in temperament. Eugenides and his god. Also, he hasn't
0: had his breakfast!
1: I'd be hungry, too. Ugh.
0: I would never go to spin with no breakfast. How can he kill five people with no breakfast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he says, my queen. Uh, which he's said before. And Natalia totally replies with, my king. And... Only those closest saw him nod, his rueful acceptance. That's chapter 13. Next time, everyone
0: takes a bath. Send us your comments, questions, thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed in your endeavors.
1: Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available.